Hi everyone, it's um, good to be able to share with you again from the book of Revelation. I trust that you've been finding it encouraging. Before we start with the study uh, tonight, I just want to read a passage of scripture from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. And it says there, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. While at this point in time we're not able to uh, assemble together and meet together as a church, but there's another part of verse 24 that I just want to focus on, and that's what the writer to the Hebrews says here, but exhorting one another, that is encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And exhortation takes the form of encouragement, comfort, warning, strengthening. And there's, and this is a big word, an eschatological urgency to the exhortation which is given here as we see the increased activity that is happening in the world as the uh, coming of Christ approaches and all the signs that we are seeing at the moment. And the writer to the Hebrews says, yeah, we just need to encourage one another, even so the more as we see the day approaching, and that day is the coming of the Lord. Last week we got as far as covering the first eight verses of Revelation chapter 1. Tonight we are going to start at Revelation 1 verse 9 and go into chapter 2 and cover two of the letters that were written to the, the churches. Revelation 1 verse 9, I, John, both your brother and companion, in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. John there, in verse 9, where he talks about, I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. What John mentions here are four characteristics that all of us as believers share. First of all, persecution for our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, we are members of the redeemed community over which Christ serves as Lord and King. 
Three, eager anticipation for the glory of his coming and his millennial reign on the earth. And fourth, endurance and perseverance in spite of difficult times. And we're certainly going through difficult times at the moment. And it's in times like this that we can actually just draw encouragement and strength from the Lord. The island of Patmos is located in the Aegean Sea. Uh, it's off the coast of modern Turkey. And it's a part of about 50 small islands in that area. But it's a very barren, rocky, crescent-shaped island that's about 10 miles long and it's about 6 miles at its widest point. And it served as a Roman penal colony. And this is where John was um, sent to. Verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches. And where John says here that um, he was in the Spirit, it wasn't a dream. John was supernaturally transported out of the material world. He wasn't sleeping. It just was an experience that he had that was beyond the normal senses. And the Holy Spirit empowered his senses to actually receive revelation from God and he was instructed to write in a book and send what he had seen and written down to the seven churches. When he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, um, that is a reference there if one looks at the context um, of the, the passage here. The Lord's day there refers to the first day of the week, which is a Sunday, which the Christians had been uh, then using that day to uh, actually come together to celebrate because it was on that day that uh, the Lord actually rose from the dead. Verse 12, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. So the lampstands there are portable golden lampstands which held oil. And each lampstand represented a church from which the light of life shone. And through scripture, the number seven is the number of completeness. So the seven lampstands representative of the churches uh, are representative of all the churches. And there's something interesting, which we'll just look at at the end, that you can actually fit each one of the churches that are mentioned here and in Revelation 2 and 3 into specific time periods in history. And also, the seven conditions that existed here in these seven churches can also be existent um, in the church at any one given period of time as well. So John sees, he sees here the Son of Man, uh, clothed in a garment, and his head and hair were white like wool. Now, when it talks there about white like wool, it's not referring to 
um, like a flat white color, but it's a blazing, glowing white light. Um, and it's a, just a picture here of Jesus' holiness and his eyes, flame of fire, like almost like two lasers. The eyes uh, of the Lord were penetrating. Uh, it's like a penetrating gaze into the depths of his church. And his feet like brass. Uh, the altar of burnt offering was um, covered uh, with brass and its utensils, utensils were made of the same material. We read about that in Exodus 38, 1 to 7. And glowing hot brass feet are a clear reference to divine judgment. And Jesus Christ with feet of judgment is moving through the church to exercise his chastising authority upon sin. And where John refers here to the sound of many waters, his voice wasn't like a crystal clear note of a trumpet, but John likened it to the crashing of surf against the rocks of an island. It was the voice um, of authority. Verse 17. Actually, let's pick it up from verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. So many times the Lord just encourages us through Scripture with that phrase. Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which are to take place after this. Verse 19 actually provides a very simple outline for the entire book of Revelation. So it refers to the things that John has seen in the vision, which he's just seen, what we've read in chapter 1. The things which are, which denotes the letters to the churches, and the things which are to take place after this refers to the revelation of future history. And what we see in Revelation 1 to 3, we see the earth on the church. We see the, let me correct myself there, we see the church on the earth. Revelation 4, we see the church in heaven, Revelation 4 and 5. And then from 6 to 18, as we've mentioned before, there uh, we see the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week. It's the time of the tribulation, and that's what uh, the book covers in those particular chapters. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. The angels, the word literally means messenger. Uh, although it can mean an angel, and it does throughout most of the book of Revelation, uh, it can also refer here um, more likely to key elders representing each one of the, the churches which John was instructed to actually write these letters to. So chapter 2 to the angel of the church of Ephesus, 
Ephesus was the loveless church. John writes there, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, I know your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them to be liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. So Ephesus, Ephesus was um, a city in Asia Minor. And four great trade roads actually went through Ephesus and became known as the gateway to Asia. And it was also the center of worship of uh, the Greek goddess Artemis, or Diana, was the Roman goddess whose temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And Paul ministered there for about three years. We can read about that in Acts chapter 20. And later, he met with the Ephesian elders on his way to Jerusalem. And after that... Uh, John also spent time in Ephesus uh, before he was uh, exiled to the um, Isle of Patmos. That's just a bit of background to uh, the city of Ephesus and uh, Paul's ministry there. In verse 2, those who say the, they are apostles, the Ephesian church was a church that exercised a lot of spiritual discernment and they knew how to actually evaluate men who claimed to be spiritual leaders by their doctrine and behavior. And in verse 3, uh, we read there, And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. For over 40 years since the founding of this church, they'd remained faithful to the word uh, of God and to the Lord, even through difficult times and persecution they had endured but the Lord says nevertheless I have this against you that you've left your first love and to be a Christian is to love the Lord with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul but the Ephesians passion and fervor for the Lord had become very cold and mechanical and the doctrine and moral uh, purity, um, the undiminished uh, zealousness for the truth of the word, and the disciplined service, all of those things were not a substitute for the love for Christ, which they had actually uh, forsaken or drifted away from. So in verse 5, um, the Lord says to them, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. Remove your lampstand. God's judgment would just bring an end to the Ephesian church. Unless you repent. Verse 6. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. 
This was a problem in Pergamos as well. And this heresy, uh, which was also here in the Ephesian church, was very similar to the teaching of Balaam. Now, Nicholas means one who conquers the people. And Nicholas was made a deacon in Acts chapter 6. This was something that Arrhenius wrote about. And what he said was that um, Nicholas was actually a false believer who later became apostate. But because of his credentials, he was able to lead the church astray. And like Balaam, he led the people into immorality and wickedness. And the Nicolaitans were followers of Nicholas, and they were involved in immorality. Um, and they actually brought into the church and almost assaulted the church with their sensual temptations. And Clement of Alexander made this statement about the Nicolaitans. He said, they abandoned themselves to pleasure like goats leading a life of self-indulgence. And their teaching actually perverted the teaching of grace and uh, replaced it with license uh, for just liberty and doing anything that you wanted to, which is totally, totally wrong. Verse 7, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. John's own definition here to be an overcomer is to be a Christian. And as true believers, we enjoy the promise of going to heaven and having eternal life. And eternal life is not only just existing forever. Eternal life is actually knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 2 verse 8, we now go on to the uh, persecuted church the church at Smyrna. And Smyrna means myrrh. And myrrh was the substance or perfume that was often used for anointing dead bodies for aromatic purposes. And Smyrna was called the crown of Asia. And this city was also in uh, what is today modern Turkey. Uh, and it was also the center of science and medicine. And later on, uh, there was a tremendous amount of uh, persecution in this church. Fifty years after John's death, um, church history records that Polycarp, who was the pastor of the church in Smyrna, was actually burned alive at the age of 86 for refusing to worship uh, Caesar. So... The Lord instructs John to write here, verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and come to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, 
Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So in verse 9, where the Lord says, Those who say they are Jews but are not, although they were Jews physically, they were actually um, pagans. And they allied, let me correct myself there, they allied themselves with other pagans by putting Christians to death as they attempted to stamp out the Christian faith. And where the Lord refers to the synagogue of Satan, with the Jews' rejection of the Messiah, Jews had actually become as much a tool of Satan as what emperor worship was with the Romans. And they sided with the Romans to actually try and stamp out Christianity. Verse 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. And the Greek name for God's arch enemy, and our enemy as well too, uh, means accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. And where it talks there about that the devil was going to throw some of them into prison, that they may be tested, but you would have tribulation for 10 days. That just means that the imprisonment would be very brief. But the Lord encourages them, be faithful until death, and I will give you a crown of life. And where it talks about the crown of life here, it's not a actual crown that kings wear. Crown here refers to a wreath that is normally awarded to winning athletes. And the encouragement from the Lord is here. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And we know what the second death is. Uh, the second death um, has to do with spending eternity separated from God in hell. That is what the second death is. And that is a very, 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 very unpleasant situation to actually land oneself in, to actually be separated from the presence of God forever. And the Lord describes that here as the second death. And he encourages those, those who overcome, shall not be hurt at all by the second death. If you've been listening to the series on Revelation and you might be somebody that has uh, never ever committed your life to the Lord, if you've never done that, sadly, that's where you will be going. And to experience that for eternity with no hope of ever, ever coming out of being in that awful place that the Bible describes as hell is not somewhere where you would actually want to land up. And that's why the Lord sent Jesus to this earth. Jesus came, was born of a virgin, died on the cross, was three days in the grave, rose again on the third day. And... The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news because Jesus has come 
to save us from our sins. Now, if there's good news, there's also bad news. The bad news is this, that the Bible says that all of us, I have sinned, you have sinned, every single person on the face of the earth has sinned. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard or God's glory, which means that all of us are deserving of God's judgment because to sin is to break God's law. And we see God revealed his law to us in um, Exodus where the law was given to, to Moses on Mount Sinai. None of us can keep the law, but Jesus was able to do that. He went to the cross and he paid the price for your sin and for my sin that we don't have to experience the second death. And the Bible says in John chapter 3 that unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the only way that we can experience new birth is to come and to call upon the name of the Lord as Romans, the book of Romans tells us, and to repent of our sin and to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to live for him and ask him to forgive us. And there's repentance involved in that as well, in that we have to turn from our wicked ways. And it is by grace, Ephesians tells us, that we are saved. We cannot work or earn our salvation by being good. It's by grace that we are saved. And if you've never done that, I would like to encourage you to call upon the name of the Lord and to commit and entrust your life to him Repent and turn from your evil ways and serve him wholeheartedly. I trust that you have enjoyed the study that we've given tonight. We will continue again next week where we will be looking at the compromising church, which is the church at Pergonos, and the corrupt church, which was the church at Thyatira. God bless you, and I look forward to sharing with you again next week. God bless you. Amen.